Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, called Giving Your Best for God. When does slavery happen? When people begin to look down on other people. The gospel and the implications of the gospel and the founding of this country says that all men are created what? Equal. And, and so that has been the, the, the calling of this country to, to right wrongs. And you had godly people who, said, who looked at it and said, this is wrong. We are not to treat people, no matter what the color of their skin may be, as second-class people. That's, that's, that's just flat-out wrong. God is not a respecter of persons. And so praise God that godly people stood up and that was obliterated in this country. And of course, we know that we have moved more and more, hopefully, towards a um, country that is not racist, but sadly, we still know there's racist tendencies and we know that there's people that still hold on to racism. And I've shared this uh, with you before, but I'll share it again. My hero, Dr. Walter Martin, said the only color that God sees is red. The red of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? And so um, this, is, this has been a sad tragedy in our own country. But when we live out the gospel, as I mentioned, uh, slavery is obliterated. Now, in this context, though, looking at something that is probably more uh, closer to an uh, employee-employer relationship, you see in verse 5 that Paul says in Ephesians 6, slaves or servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. Now, how should we do this? We should do this with fear and trembling. The NIV says, obey them and do it with respect and fear. Now, I don't think that the Bible is telling us that when you have someone who's over you in an employer-employer relationship that you should come up trembling every morning, what would you have me to do, sire? I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what the Bible is talking about is a respectful attitude and a reverence for someone's position. Now, you may not agree, you may not like the managerial tactics of your boss or someone who's running the company, but you are to respect their position, even if you have difficulty with the way they run things. And what you are to do, according to the scripture, is you're to line up under them. This is the idea of being obedient. The the word slave is doulos, and it has the idea of a voluntary slave choosing to be, be obedient. And the word obedient there is a Greek word which means to heed or conform under the command or the authority. So you line up under the commander. And that is what you owe him, and you are to do this, notice, with respect and fear. You are to give respect to those who are over you. Now, some of you, and I wrote this in my notes, a Christian worker may say critically, but how can I respect that person? And I think that the thrust of this writing is probably aimed at a lot of people who were Christian servants and had unbelieving masters. And so you could imagine that relationship. Or if you take it into the modern setting, you're a Christian in a company and you have an unbelieving boss and his ethics are not what you would like to live by. So what are you to do? Well, you're never to compromise biblical values. 
but you're to be respectful and reverent to your boss. That's what the Bible says. You're to show up when you're supposed to show up. You're to work hard. You're not to have a cynical attitude or you know, have some sort of sardonic humor about your boss and that kind of thing. You're to be a witness in your workplace. And so even if you struggle with, can I respect that person, this is the, the living out of putting on the new self. And this is also applied to Christian bosses. Turn over to 1 Timothy. Go a little bit to your right. Go to chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 1 with me. Paul writes, Let all who are under the yoke as slaves, 1 Timothy 6 verse 1, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. If you have the NIV, it says, full respect. Look at what is at stake, brothers and sisters. So that the name of God and our doctrine may not be what? Spoken against. How many people do you think on the planet, now we all know people hang their hat on the hypocrite card. Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. You know that I would say that this probably happens more. People have probably have more ammunition from work relationships, finding out somebody's a Christian than maybe any other sphere of life. Because they look at their work. They look at their attitude and they say, that's what a Christian is? That's what you guys do? So Paul says, if you're under the yoke as a slave, 1 Timothy 6.1, you need to make a decision to regard your boss as worthy of what? All honor or full respect, not partial. <laughs> Don't you love how the Bible does this? We're always looking for wiggle room. Like, can I just? Nope. All honor, full respect. Why? So that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. Paul gives the image that we adorn the doctrine of God. We wear the Bible. We put it on like clothing. We put on the new man, Ephesians 4.24. And when we don't act in accordance with the new self or the new man, guess what? People say, okay, so that's Christianity. And what do they do? Look at the end of verse one. They speak against the faith. And they say, you Christians... And you can fill in the blank. Look at verse two. And let those who have believers as their masters. Now, someone might say, ah, but that's not my situation. My master is a brother in Christ. My boss is a sister in Christ. So guess what? I should be able to get away with more. Because they, see, I got my Bible. They have to give me grace. Isn't it grand? So if I show up late, they could never fire me, right? So you could see, we're always looking for this kind of space, right? Let those who have believers as their masters, says Paul, not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but let them serve them what? All the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved, teach and preach these principles. Look at verse two in the NIV. It says, those who have believing masters are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better. Wow. Yes. Now look at this. If anyone advocates a different doctrine 
and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Isn't it interesting that verses that we have probably, most of us studied as Christians about contentment and about sound doctrine are in the context of doing the right thing at work. Wow. This is 1 Timothy. This is a pastoral epistle. But the guy writing this was a tent maker. He had some experience in the secular world. He knew what it meant to make something for somebody and agree on a price and fulfill your work in a timely manner. Paul wasn't ignorant of these things. He actually paid his own way in many of the cities in which he ministered. And I think most of you understand that that's the backdrop. Godliness, a God-dominated life, verse 6, 1 Timothy 6, is a means of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment. How many discontented workers are there on the planet? Here I go again. Where's the coffee? Just give me an injection, man. I'm sick of this company. Right? And what kind of vibe? Are we giving a contented vibe off to our coworkers? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Well, we're like, oh, moving in the soul. What kind of witness is that? And Paul says, look, this is not what it should be. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. See if this fits with company um, life. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Money is not the root of evil, folks. It's the love of money. Money is just a neutral means of exchange. But when you love it above all things, it becomes a root of what? Look at verse 10. Of all sorts of evil. Paul doesn't even name it. He just says it's all sorts. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Wow. It's interesting to see the context of this particular thought. Now go, keep going to your right and go to Titus. You got First and Second Timothy and then Titus. These are the five T books. Good way to remember them. I want you to see in Titus chapter two that the apostle has been talking about sound doctrine and putting on the, the doctrine of God. He says, Titus two, verse one, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound. That's the idea of healthy doctrine, Titus 2, 2. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Verse 4, Titus 2. That they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Look at what's at stake again. 
that the word of God may not be what? Dishonored or spoken against. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Doctrine always will be lived out in duty of the life. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He says, Titus 2, verse 1, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound. That's the idea of healthy doctrine, Titus 2, 2. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent, in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Verse 4, Titus 2. That they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Look at what's at stake again. That the word of God may not be what? Dishonored or spoken against. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Doctrine always will be lived out in duty of the life. Sound in speech, verse 8, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters, verse 9, in everything to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering or stealing, but showing all good faith that they may adorn, here's the idea of putting on clothing, the doctrine of our God, of God our Savior, in every respect. So once again, we see that the Bible is bringing home the doctrine of God and saying, look, it applies to every area of our lives. So let's go back and let's look at Ephesians 6, 5 and pull out some more principles because I know you want much more, don't you? And all God's people said, no. (laughs) Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So someone might say, okay, 
I know what the Bible says. It says I've got to respect this guy. All right. I'm going to respect him. Right? But the next phrase in 6.5 says that you should do it in the what? Sincerity of your heart. Now, everybody knows what sincerity means. There is a, a Latin phrase, sincera, and they used to sell these um, pots in the marketplace. And sincera came to be known as without wax. And what they would do is they would take pottery, and if it had a crack in it, they would fill it in and then cover the crack. And so people, when they were buying pottery, wanted to know that it was sincere that it was without wax, that there was nothing hiding the true nature of the vessel. And when Paul says, I want you to do it in the sincerity of your heart, he's saying, I don't want this, this to be external. Okay, if I have to respect him. Like the brother, okay, if I have to say I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, that means a lot. That was, what do we usually say? That was sincere. Right? So in the sincerity of your heart means that what God wants is not just some external show for your employer. What God wants is you to sincerely respect the person from your heart. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Come on now. That would mean that my heart would have to change. Yes. That's precisely what the Bible's saying. That you're going to have to ask God to change your heart towards that person. And that's so hard. I confess it behind the hunk of wood tonight. So hard. Lord, couldn't I just do it externally? You're, you're, you're telling me i got to do this sincerely? <laughs> like from my heart sincere? Yes. You see, that's why you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit, your eyes and your heart's not going to change towards that person. You're going to have to have God's eyes for that person. Now, what would that mean? Well, sometimes instead of us being upset, maybe we should be sorry. Sometimes, you know, when God's changed my heart towards a person, I start to feel sorry for them instead of being angry at them. And I've noticed something else. Maybe you've noticed this too. It's hard to stay angry with someone that you're praying for. So God might want you to start to turn that angst that you have towards this person into prayer to God and saying, you know what? I was once blind. I once lived only for material possessions. I once lived only for the bottom line. I didn't mind stepping on people to get to the top or whatever your situation was. We all know how we were before we came to know Christ and how we can still tend to be. And so the Bible's saying, look, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And so do this in the sincerity of your heart, which is gonna, you're gonna have to say, God, change my heart towards that person. You might wanna write that down tonight. God, change my heart towards that person. Um, I think we've all noticed as we've gone along in our Christian lives that we don't have the ability to change others. That's mostly what we pray about. God, would you please change this person? Because if you would just change this person, then my attitude would be different. See, that's how we pray, right? Instead of saying, wait a minute, maybe, I don't know, maybe, just maybe, <laughs> I might want to look at my own heart. I don't know, right? Now, we can have legitimate 
gripes and, and we all can make our list. But here's the point. Let it be from your heart, okay? In the sincerity of your heart. And here's the key. And, and, and I'm pounding my fist when I'm typing these notes at my desk. But how do you do that? How? It's still that same person. You do it. Look at the end of verse 5. As to Christ. You see, you give the respect and honor and hard work that you would give if Christ were your boss. Now that changes things. And I read a quote, you know, someone was talking about, you know, could you, you're a mom at home. Could you make the soup like you were making it for Jesus Christ. Now Martha was literally making a meal for Jesus. Remember that? In the book of Luke. And she said, hey, Lord, tell my sister to help me. She's making a meal for the Lord. I mean, literally. But the Lord's saying in the Bible, we need to live our lives as if we were doing it to the Lord. Could you cut the grass as if you were doing it for Christ? Could you? Do you? Amen. Could you do whatever it is that you do? You know, the Bible says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. I could quote that verse all day long. The fact is, though, I don't do it. I'd like to stand up here and tell you that I have a great attitude whenever I approach anything on the planet. But the fact is, I don't live this way all the time. That's why these verses are so inconvenient. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the armor of God. No, I'm just kidding. You've been listening to Giving Your Best for God, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 5-9. through 9. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch recent messages or church services with Pastor Michael and the Living Truth Congregation, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, inevitably, slavery comes up in Ephesians 6 because it mentions masters and slaves and you know, the next thing that usually comes up is, is the Bible advocating slavery? Well, what the Bible is doing is acknowledging the way society was built. And uh, I probably mentioned this in the message, but I think up to half of the Roman population was in some form of servitude at the time. And I don't want to just, you know, uh, say that abuses weren't happening to people because certainly they were. But many people were in a master uh, servant situation because that's the way the culture was built. And so you served somebody. There were many cases when a servant appreciated their master and loved them, but there were also abusive situations and the Bible acknowledges that as well and, and corrects that and says, that's wrong. It says to masters, you have a master in heaven and you better treat your servant the way that they deserve to be treated. And, the the modern equivalent to this, although uh, you know we would say it's it's different, would be a employee employer relationship, and the way we treat one another at work matters because it reflects giving our best for God. How we treat other people, you know, it amazes me how many people in business don't get this, but some of the most successful businesses I see out there 
they've got this down. They know the way you treat people is probably the biggest single thing. Yeah, you got to have a good product, but the way you treat people, the way you, the way you make them feel like family, it makes all the difference in the world. Think about the places you go that you really appreciate. They train their people well. They know this key, and that is to uh, give your best and make people feel special. And would to God that we would do no less. We should be doing this automatically as believers. So the Bible's not advocating for slavery. It's just acknowledging what was happening in the day and really challenging people to treat one another with love and respect. Of course, that's been, you know, well, I want to be careful here. Slavery's not been done away with. There's a lot of slavery going on in the world. But the slavery that was experienced here in America with um, African-American slaves, that has been abolished. Praise God for that. And I know there's a lot of things going on with our culture in terms of you know tensions in that area, but I would say, brethren, that as much as we have some things that we got to work on, we still have come a long way as well. And there's much to celebrate and there's still more to work on because human nature is what it is. But I pray that we'd be loving each other as Christ has called us to love each other. Well, we're going to be dealing next time with the idea of spiritual warfare. And we're going to be talking about the armor of God. What is it? How do you put it on? Um, you know, I've heard about it, but, but, but how do I make it reality? How do I fight this spiritual battle? It even has to do with cultural things and divisions in the church and Well, we're going to be talking about the armor of God on the next several broadcasts starting tomorrow. Hey, keep that in prayer. Tell a friend. And we'll be here tomorrow for Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare Part 1 right here. Lord willing, we'll see you then. And join us tomorrow for Part 3 of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, called Giving Your Best for God. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.